what you are destined for, and for lack of better terms, is something so great beyond your imagination. It, in order to be prepared for that, you have to go through hell and back first. Welcome to Darken the Page, a podcast for lovers of writing and the creative process. And now, here's your host, Dave Buda. Welcome back to Darken the Page. Today's interview is with my friend Drew Gerald, and I'm so excited to bring this to you. <clears throat> Drew actually just totally surprised me. I had really no idea of what his life was like as a writer. We know each other from the coaching space. Drew is a beast of a writer he so one of the things we talk about in this episode is how he wrote 192,000 words in four months which is almost 50,000 words in a month I mean there are writing challenges like massive challenges where people write 50,000 words in a month and that's a big deal he did it in four months every month it's crazy Um, he also talks about how he had how he came across the current vision to create a four volume set of this book that is looking like to be about 700 pages. So that's each volume is <laughs> might be that long. Um, and he's also a pretty young guy. I think he's in his twenties. I mean, so how he did that, um, how he started blogging and how that inspired his book writing. And we also talk about uh, real vulnerability versus just trying to get attention and how some people do that in articles and what his experience has been with that. So I'm really excited to bring this. This is going to be at darkenthepage.com slash 024 for show notes or link to Drew's work. Uh, he writes at The Polyman, and it's a great blog. So uh, check out all that, and make sure you send uh, me an email with any comments or um, you know suggestions for the show. Uh, darkenthepage at gmail.com is where you can reach me. So on to the show. Here's Drew Gerald. So I'm here today with Drew Gerald. Drew is a friend of mine from the the coaching and the, I don't know, let's say the sexual empowerment world of sorts. And um, I'm really excited to talk to him. Drew writes for um, a blog. He writes for products. And um, yeah, thanks for taking the time to be on the show, Drew. Yeah, thanks for having me on, brother. Yeah. So just tell us a little about who you are as a writer, kind of where you've been and uh, what you're up to. Yeah. So, um, yeah, as a writer, it's, it's really funny that, uh, to, to even kind of be asked that question because my whole life, I never considered myself a writer of, of any sort. Yeah. Um, <laughs> nor, nor do I now. It's, it's still, it's still a very interesting, uh, persona and hat to take on. It's kind of like saying uh, you're a speaker, but, you know, in a sense. It's like, well, I've, I've been speaking my whole life, but I don't know if I consider myself <laughs> a speaker. Yeah, yeah exactly. And, then, you know, here's, you hear some teachers, and like, I'm not a teacher, I'm still a student. You know, what are you talking about? Uh-huh. Um, but I would say that I am a reader. That That is for sure. So I think that's where a lot of it came from. Uh, but when I was, yeah, I mean, when I was in school, to be completely honest, my least favorite subject was English. Mm-hmm. I absolutely hated it. Like writing essays was like absolute torture to me. Yeah, me and, too. Like, yeah, I mean, a paragraph, I was just like, shoot me, or a whole, like one page. And, you know, now I'm writing like 
you know, thousands of pages, and I love it. Yeah. So the the question is, what shifted, right? What shifted, Drew? That's <laughs> <laughs> funny you ask. Um, so I think for me, and I think a lot of people, it comes down to um, passion and interest. Um, I, I, for lack for lack of better terms, uh, do not do well uh, with authority telling me to do things that have that make no sense to me and aren't in any are in any interest to me. I, so can't, having, I can't imagine that. I can't imagine that. That's just crazy. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I should just obey everything. Right. Um, yeah, so it was, you know, I always, I was one of those kids that was very, very intelligent. I had a very high IQ. I always did well on tests, but I never did my homework. So it, it always upset my teachers and my parents because they're like, you're really smart. You know all. Of, you know how to write. You know all of the stuff. Why? Why aren't you doing any of the work? It's just like I don't want to. Like I, I spend six hours of my day at school doing stuff I don't want to do. The last thing I want to do is go home and write two pages of of text about things I don't even care about. So yeah, it's like they're I, saying to you. You know, it's like Drew, you're so capable of 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 meeting our expectations and making us happy. Why don't you do that? <laughs> I was like, um, I don't care. I, how come? How come you don't meet my expectations of making me happy? <laughs> says says the the twelve year old who then winds up grounded all summer. Yeah, exactly. Um, right. But yeah, so I think so. I think what changed for me um, was when I started blogging. Um, mm-hmm. I do, I do, I do remember as a child my love of reading uh my my father check this out my father was an english major right so mm-hmm. he he had that kind of technically he's my stepfather so it's not like i got it genetically it was more of a nature uh nurture versus nature uh-huh. aspect yeah and so he he would always he i can i remember um being like like 10 years old and I would be with my mother uh, lying on the couch. We would all be snuggled up. It would be, you know, like an autumn afternoon after coming home from Sunday school or whatever the hell was going on. And, uh-huh. it, and, you know, it would just be like the house would be warm and he would be reading us Chronicles of Narnia. Like he would, go, we went through like all of the, the Narnia books. Nice. We, would just, we would just be on the couch listening to him tell this story and, and going off into these magical places. And nice. so, and so that, you know, those are now that I think about, about it, you know, some of my fondest memories. And so I loved that. Um, but when it came to academic writing, I, I just absolutely loved it. So mm-hmm. turn, you know, turn, you know, the past five years or so, as I started blogging, um, my ability as a writer started to show up. People, I would just get on, I just get on my computer and start writing about stuff. And I would have like some friends and people saying, wow, Drew, you're such a good writer. Like, I'm like, what are you talking about? I'm just like, yeah. like, vom- I'm just like vomiting shit out of like my fingertips. Yeah. Um, like, this, it's like, okay, you know, I, I know I was, I knew I wasn't horrible, 
and the things I was writing was um, help, you know, planable. But as far as being a good writer, that that wasn't a, that initially was something I was very resistant to. I was like, no, I'm not. Like, what are you talking about? Right. And right. being a good writer would it, and, would have to match up with the grades in high school or something, right? Yeah, or like being Stephen King or something like that. Like my my expectations are just like so high and grandiose that yeah, you know it's yeah, I can relate to that. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I and I would just keep writing. So I started my blog about five, maybe six years ago or so, and I it it wasn't like ooh I really enjoy this. I just want. I, ooh, I know what I'm going to do today. I'm going to spend three hours meticulously writing this article just because I have nothing better else to do and I love to do it. Mm-hmm. That, that, that really wasn't how I got into it. It was more of, I want to communicate something and I guess I can, I know how to write like I think anybody else does. Yeah. And I just, started putting stuff up and then after doing that um for uh, i would say it wouldn't be until maybe about three or four years after doing that yeah after i don't know dozens of people saying wow you're such a good writer you're such a good writer blah blah i'm like okay maybe maybe there's something here yeah and so that's kind of where i began taking writing a little more seriously and the idea of wanting to write a book uh kind of was born nice yeah i I totally know what you mean and and i love blogging for that reason because it gives us this this informal practice um i don't honestly know where i would be today if if blogging didn't exist um i certainly wouldn't be as good of a writer and i don't know that i would have ever gone for it because I think in without blogging to have without blogging as like training wheels or blogging as um, a, a way to practice without taking yourself seriously, I don't know that I would have decided. You know, I, I want to pursue writing and practice that for five years. It, but you know, blogging is great. <clears throat> yeah. <clears throat> and it, there's something too about really getting into what you're passionate about. I mean, I, it, your story totally brought me back to high school and and remembering what it's like to, to write about something that you that you a don't know much about because you probably didn't read the book anyways or at least i didn't exactly. and then and then b just have to like meet, meet some criteria and ultimately for a grade that you don't really care about and it's like i mean how how else could we we couldn't actually have a better formula for killing people's inspiration for doing this thing called writing you know we have we have the perfect system <laughs> pretty much yeah yeah so how have you um when you were blogging like what what when did it start to feel like oh this is this is uh this is this is cool like this is i don't know say working maybe or this is this is a uh this is more than just sort of like somebody's listening or when did you get that feeling well that's a good question i think um, I think there's multiple layers to it. Um, as as I started, as it started to shift from, oh, this is me just 
sharing some ideas on my blog um, as I figure out what I'm going to do with my life. Because in a in a in my previous life, I was actually a designer and developer, so uh-huh. I was doing a lot of writing. There's actually now that I think of it, I know a lot of languages. I know a lot of programming languages that have all of their own syntax and grammar mm-hmm. and all of that. So I think that doing that for a decade definitely played a part in my ability to sit in front of a keyboard and go through semantics and create things that work in a logical way. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so that now that I think of it, definitely played a part in getting to there. And the reason I bring that up as well is because when I started the blog, I was that was kind of my time. I was letting go of that old persona of, you know, being a, a programmer kind of thing mm-hmm. and stepping more into, I, I think I want to do this like personal development, helping people thing, whatever this looks like. Mm-hmm. I'm more passionate about this than I am computers. Yeah. So, so that was a transact transition that took, I mean, about four years or so to really take place. Um, and through that process, I started to discover, as people would call, my voice. Mm-hmm. And the, the funny thing, the, the funny thing with that is that it literally was my voice in the mm-hmm. sense that I, so this may be a question you're, you're going to ask me at some point maybe, uh, but as far as my voice and writing and, and how I do it, I, I, I started, um, I started to feel that as I wrote, I was able to communicate things that I wanted to express and other people started to benefit from. Yeah. So it, at first it was like, Ooh, I just kind of want to do this for me. I just want to like vomit these ideas out of my head and get them out onto some sort of medium. And it so happened to be writing a blog because I already knew technology. I could set it up. It was easy. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it kind of evolved to, wow. Okay. So a hundred thousand people just read this article of mine. That's interesting. Yeah. Okay. Um, so there, there was a little bit of ego fulfillment in place, but there was also the seed starting to be born of, wow, like people are saying, I'm really good at this. It's really inspiring them. They're getting a lot of value from it. This could be something like there could be something here for me to pursue. And so I just kept writing. And as I did that, I, I found more and more of my authentic voice, which happened as, which happened as a result of writing as, and as the result of doing a lot of therapy. So being in a uh-huh. personal development and heal, healing and that sort of thing, as I healed my own fears and insecurities and worrying about what people think and, or oh, what about what I think and letting go of my crazy standards of, absolute perfection Mm -hmm. and as i kind of healed myself on those levels my writing became more real it became more raw it became more authentic and at the same time more refined so it wasn't just a a 
a chaotic mess of undigested emotions going on to <laughs> that sounds a, kind of fun though screen. yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah it, yeah it, it, it was that kind, but with an extra step of okay how do i want to articulate this and knowing the right words to use to articulate and to say and speak in a way to communicate what i wanted to communicate does that make sense and so totally yeah Yeah, it's it's a huge aid i mean it really helps in in collecting your thoughts i mean that's for me i i wrote an article recently that really like they changed my own life like i just took this concept and i thought okay you know, how do I communicate this to people? And then as it as it fleshed itself out, I saw and there was something about writing it too that just solidified it in my own brain. That's like, okay, I yeah. I, now, I now believe in this. Like I can I'm gonna stand behind this. You know, sometimes it, to a fault when it, when it's just an opinion, but but it really like if I you know I wrote an article called that I don't own my wife, and it was about how yeah yeah I, I, I saw that yeah. yeah and it was about how I have had these habits that essentially all stem from this false sense of authority which we all you know get from just this possession culture and all this other stuff and so i realized that and and by writing that it was like taking a stance to say okay i'm really i'm really wanting to change this i really wanted to change how like you know i'm not i don't want to boss her around ever i don't want to try to be the boss of this relationship and 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 then you know, because what I've learned with writing is that the more vulnerable and the more I throw myself under the bus, the more people like it and I want people to like it, you know, then I end up going deep for the for the sake of the writing. And that actually provides some really nice therapy for me. That's beautiful. Yeah, I think that. Yeah, I think that the right. That's a really good point is the writing itself can be very therapeutic. Yeah. And I've I've done that a lot as well. It's like when we're getting incentivized to be vulnerable with writing, it's a really nice um, positive association that gets created. Yeah, I think the, the only thing that, that worries me a bit about that is that I've definitely... I, and, and when you say that, I know you're talking about real authentic vulnerability. Yeah. Uh, but I, def, I definitely know some people that write things um, that are are saying they're being vulnerable, but they're only using that for the positive incentive of oh look at me I'm being vulnerable, which isn't really yeah being yeah. And as I think about it too, there are a lot of incentives that are not really linked to how to to things that are you know like for example the outrage like i love the james altucher talks about outrage porn you know and how we do we have outrage porn now so basically it's like somebody gets all pissed off and then just goes off and and sometimes that stuff can be cool but you know sometimes it's yeah we just get off on it and of course it's going to get a lot of shares because people like sharing outrage stuff and but you know that's that's uh sometimes it's a cheap thrill and and yeah we could do a more of a service to people if we and and sometimes the outrage stuff is good but it just depends yeah that's that's interesting yeah i i i personally am a fan of more of the the uh, i don't want to say authentic as in that stuff is inauthentic but more of the um, I don't say genuine, but you know, there's a difference between articles that you know, with, 
music, right? You know, mm-hmm. Beethoven um, is never going to go out of style, whereas, you know, in maybe 10 years, Katy Perry might, even though Katy Perry is, is a lot more popular. Uh-huh. Um, and different purposes and, and everything, too. But for me, you know, it's like I'm always on that sense of, okay, I know how to write this and make the headline to make this very clickbaity and upworthy worthy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but at the same time, it makes me cringe. And so do I, you know, do I sacrifice the, the quick fix adrenaline dopamine kind of hit um, of likes and shares and potential media exposure and success? Mm-hmm. Or do I go what's true to me and what feels more authentic and long-term and potentially had never be seen, you know, mm-hmm. and, and mm-hmm. that for me, I, I don't quite know where your next question is going to go. But for me, the um, uh, one of my greatest fears as a writer, as an author, as a teacher, as the content creator is having stuff that's never seen. Mm-hmm. Um, and and it's by inherent and it's because inherently what I'm creating is to benefit other people, right? Yeah. So, you know, it's not like I'm just painting for my own pleasure. It's the stuff that I'm creating is, you know, more personal development. It's more nonfiction stuff to yeah. to, to help people. And if it never reaches people, um, and, and it's always, and the worst part, is if it's really good, or at least I think it's really good. Yeah. <laughs> key, key, key distinction, right? <laughs> it's like, ah, this is amazing. This is going to help so many people. I love it. I kick ass. Yeah. Like, no one reads it. And then like some piece of shit thing you wrote like four years ago that was just, like crap compared to what I'm writing now or whatever. Yeah. Like millions of people. You're like, what? But that's not even, I don't even, but what? <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, so it's like, you know, our, our friend Mike Rostowski says something that I like, which he says that everything he does, his his goal is his goal is always just to help one person. And sometimes that person's himself, too. And so I like that. I like yeah. that standard because the truth is I, I can get a lot of genuine enjoyment if I write something and it only helps one person, you know? Yeah. Um, and... And I like because I have the same same thoughts. And, you know, one of the one of the things I tell myself is if I write something and like, oh, I think it's pretty good. But like, you know, it's not really getting the kind of traction. I just go, well, you know, when in a couple of years when this thing is blowing up, I'll just I'll post like from an archive thing and people will love it then <laughs> or something. <laughs> you know, I mean, because it's like, well, people will people will see it. I mean, that's the cool thing. And it's the same thing with podcasts. You know, it's like um, the most popular podcast right now is the first one I posted because it's it's been out the longest and the longer it's out there the more people are going to stumble on it and the more people are going to talk about it and so it's like cumulative effect and so if I just have this I, I want to have this I love this idea of an archive and a library um, and I look at some blogs and they're like I, I, I love Zen Habits and I was looking at his archive yeah. the other day and he's got you know he's been writing for like I don't know eight years or so and he's got just so many articles. I mean, and, and so many of those are not, are going to be read by maybe a couple hundred people, if that. And so, you know, there's also the idea of practice too. There's also this, well, Hey, if, uh, you know, if I don't write 10 articles to get one or two amazing ones, then I'm not going to get the one or two amazing ones. Cause that's how they, come yeah. you know? Yeah. 
Totally. So tell me a little about your process to to write. Do you have um, any sort of habits or like uh, any routines that you go through? Um, how does that work for you? Yeah, it it depends. Um, yeah, it's, it's uh, there's a difference between what actually happens in real life and what I would like to happen. Okay. Um, uh, so for when I did. When I'm in when I'm in creation mode, I like to just fucking create, like uh, almost to a fault in the sense that uh, there's been times where I like don't eat or shower or nice. um, take <laughs> take care uh, take care of responsibilities that I should be because I'm just like so in it and I just need to be in that flow state and create and just. And it's like I just am in it. So yeah, I and and there's all and there's also times on top of that where it's like I have to force myself to just do it, or else it'll never be done. You know, they, you know, most people can write a book in in a couple months, but it usually takes years because of so much other shit going on. Mm-hmm. So when I wrote the first the first draft. Um, of Become a Remarkable Lover, Volume 1. It's in its third draft right now. Mm-hmm. Um, it clocked in at about 192,000 words, which is roughly 700 pages. Wow. I, in order to do that, I wrote that, I did that in four months, um, which is kind of insane. I'm going to turn uh, to the math <laughs> on that right now. That's kind of that's that is really insane. You said 192,000 in four months. Yeah, that is really insane, man. You must have um, never showered but, or eaten. No, yeah, it's, it's <laughs> close to it. Yeah, basically, in order to for that to happen, that's all I would do. I would sit in front of the computer, and pretty much as soon as I woke up to when I fell asleep, minus some food and um, maybe taking. A look out the window or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was writing, and I just for four months. That's like all I did. Um, and if I didn't do that, it it just wasn't going to be done. You know, I put myself I put myself under pressure to write to create it, um, and like. Yeah, so in order to do, because I knew it was going to be massive, and I knew that I had to get it out, and I had so much to do, that I just forced myself to do it. And was it fun? No. The, <laughs> I mean, the <laughs> well, let's be honest, like, it was fulfilling to my soul, right? Like, it was my mission, I knew I had to do it, but forcing myself into those constraints, um was not really enjoyable. I mean, it was great fun when I was writing what I wanted to write and it was coming out and I was like, oh, this is good. Oh, yeah, this is a great connection. Oh, yeah, boom, boom, boom. And I'm like yeah. busting all the good metaphors out and it's coming out. But when it wasn't, it was like I was bipolar. It's like, oh, and, you know, I'm like I would get Tourette's all of a sudden and be like, fuck, I'm sure. That's crazy, just, man. Yeah. Be, yeah, so it's like that's kind of, you know, the the real raw authentic process of sometimes it went great and things flowed out and I was like a magician with words and other times and 
Like, I don't care how this is spelled. I don't care where the parentheses go, go to hell. I don't want anything to do with this. (laughs) I have such a different process. When I, when I hear you throw kind of numbers like that, it just blows my mind. Um, Right now, the book I'm writing is, is going to be very, very, very short. Um, And it, didn't necessarily I didn't intend it to be that way it just I'm um I edit as I go like and I yeah. I wish I didn't I mean I I don't know actually I don't know if I wish I did or not but that's just apparently how I write I really I'm I I go over every word every sentence and and if it's and if it's not if I don't need it I shorten it or I cut it and so what I've come up with over the last 9 months of work is like 30 chapters of and each chapter is short it's like a it's like one of my blog posts so it's about like three to six paragraphs um and that's it like that's i don't have a lot to show for a lot i've spent a lot of time in front of the computer i've trashed a lot of things that that aren't working um and i decided this is actually my saving grace because the so the book is called you are what you seek and i decided to make a little subtitle and it was catchy, and it said, and the subtitle is a tiny book about how big you are. And I was like, as soon as that, as soon as I wrote that, and and it sounded cool, I I finally gave myself permission to write a tiny book, because that's yeah. what the book kept wanting to be, kept wanting to be tiny. And I just was like, no, I want to, I want like a two or three hundred page book so I can feel good about myself. And and it just was like, <laughs> no, that's not going to happen apparently. Um, and so when I hear you throw like 700 pages to me, uh, just on, on the subject of, of, you know, transformational work and different stuff like that, like that, that just makes my head explode. Yeah. I mean, Hey dude, if, if I could get what I wanted to get out in, you know, in a small book, <laughs> what makes me think, am, me. I, am I, what am I, what am I missing? Maybe, maybe I am <laughs> maybe I haven't gotten out everything and I don't know. So yeah. Well, no, I mean, well, and then if your head wants to explode even more, that's just the first volume. There's three more volumes I need to write. Damn, um, man. So have you, are you going to, you're going to publish the first volume first and then move on to the next one? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, this is what, and you said your, I love how you said it. You said your book wanted to be small and that's beautiful. That's great. The book that I'm writing <laughs> wants, wants to be ginormous. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 lit an epic tomb. It's going to be a magnum opus kind of piece of work that is really my heart and soul of everything I've learned over the past nine years yeah. to become a, a remarkable lover. And honestly, <laughs> that's a lot of stuff. Yeah. Um, and so, but but like you said, I mean, I've. I, my first, my first first draft before it became that was like twenty five thousand words. I just threw that away. It's like trash. Nope, not good. <laughs> yeah. See you later. Let's start over. Yeah. So, I hear you when you when you talk about you know not having much to show, and it's like I still it's like it's not published, right? And for me, you know, for me the the you know I realize that um, you know coming from the, the startup world and technology and, and creativity and writing. 99.9% equals zero. Like, unless it's published, unless you, unless it's done and out, it mm-hmm. might as well not exist to the world, you know? I mean, yeah. yes, you have your own benefits. You, you know, there's an amazing, 
benefit that happens when you write it and learn and all of that stuff. But when it comes to actually a business, when it comes to actually the rest of the world, 99.9% equals zero. Yeah. Um, so I don't know why I said that. But <laughs> so I'm, I'm going to... Yeah. It, yeah. <clears throat> go ahead. I was going to say, I, 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 I was going to project some, some fears onto you if, if you'd like that. Um, yeah. <laughs> so are you worried that because it's so long that, that people are, aren't going to read it or, or how, how does that, how does that enter your mind? Oh, um, are people yeah, going to be afraid to get it because it's so long or yeah. Actually it's the opposite. Like I, yeah, I, <laughs> it's, it's it's one of these things um, that this is the first. This may sound weird to some people, or it may sound like, "Oh, I know exactly what you mean." To others, um, but this is the first time this experience ever happened to me, where this book wanted to be born through me, and like, there's a difference between me saying, "Oh, I want to draw a picture," and saying, "This picture wants to be drawn through me." It's it's a weird thing and it's the first time I've ever experienced it mm-hmm. um, was with this book and so it's more of like no this book wants to be a complete compendium of remarkable knowledge around becoming the best man you can be and becoming a great lover and mm-hmm. that's what it's going to be and if people read it awesome if people are just going to go on BuzzFeed and look at cats anyways well great cool doesn't matter <laughs> You could put um, cat done, pictures in the book. There. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, whatever kind of Yeah. So, That's cool. So no, there's yeah. it's it, yeah, it's not much fear around that. It's it's more like my my pressure around it is that I have so much to write, right? So th- that's going to be four volumes of books. That's going to take years to finish. And I already have about three other books that I want to write. Um, so for me, it's just like, I just need the space and the time to create. Um, but because I also am an entrepreneur, I have to take on the business side and say, okay, listen, there is more than just the writing aspect. There's, you know, you have to market yourself, you have to get it out there, all of that stuff. So, yeah. It's it's been both kind of a little heartbreaking and agonizing because I'm a create you know, I really just want to write this stuff and get it out. Um but I know that in order to get it out, in order to be service and actually make a successful living doing it, there's other things I have to focus on as well. Yeah. How do you know those four volumes? That's you know, that's a that's a that's like that's knowing down the road. I mean, how did you come up with four volumes? I have it, I, I have it all mapped out. I know everything <laughs> that's going to be in it. I have the whole, all all the content uh, outlined. So, what's the, the basic <laughs> breakdown of like what's different about the four volumes? Is like do they each have a theme? Okay, yeah. So the first, so the whole book series is called "Become a Remarkable Lover." Volume one is the fundamentals. The fundamentals is essentially every is the absolute fundamental core things that I feel um, a, a man needs to have in order to have the foundation of being a remarkable lover. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's really like everything <laughs> is yeah. in there. But I, I, I reversed it and said, okay, if I took this out, and there's still some things I can take out, which I will. It's like, if I take this out, is, you know, is this something that if I remove it, is going to cause this to break down? Like, is this necessary? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I have gone through the process like, oh, shit, like if I take that out, then blah, 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 blah. So that's the first volume is the fundamentals, like the absolute, you know, character qualities, the mindsets, the beliefs, the techniques, the approaches, um, all of that stuff. And then so the mm-hmm. second volume is basically the sexual communication volume called Erotic Stories and Dirty Talk. So this mm-hmm. is this is the volume where um, I share my experience of writing erotica, of phone sex, of sexting, of um, seducing through words mm-hmm. and communicating, you know, arousal through both written and verbal words uh, to, to to teach that as well. Mm-hmm. So that's the second. That's the second um, volume. The third volume is uh, fantasies and taboos, nice. and that is that's essentially how to use fantasies and taboos to such to help facilitate sexual liberation in your partner. And that process is essentially, okay, let's say there's a, a you know, let's say your girlfriend has a sex slave fantasy, right? Mm-hmm. That That's a very deep and you know, potentially dark fantasy. And to, fa- to facilitate that for her in a way that is going to be uh, not only... Uh, sexy and hot, arousing and satisfying, but also potentially therapeutic and healing. Mm-hmm. You know, that's not for the faint of heart. You know, that's that's a pretty pretty deep thing to em- embark upon. But if you can do it, it is gonna it's gonna change your life. And you guys in that relationship, that connection, and that experience is going to expand her sexuality, your sexuality. You're going to get closer, deeper connections, all of the stuff. Yeah, but. But in order to get there, that, because that was originally what I started to write. I started to write about that on my blog, and I was like, shit, man, like, this is, like, deep. Like, this takes a lot to get to this place. And so that's what I wrote the first two volumes for, to say, hey, listen, if you want to go to these places, you have to know how to how to create respect and trust yeah. and connection. You, you have to know how to lead and all of these kind of things. Yeah. And then... So the last volume is basically uh, advanced sexual secrets, and that's all of the crazy, more far out stuff. Maybe energy and different genital typing and hypnosis and tantric things and more more philosophical meta things that give a bigger perspective. And nice. So, well, dude, you got yeah, you got to get finished with this first volume because the the the, <laughs> the other ones sound really exciting to write. <laughs> Fundamentals boring, erotica awesome, king fantasies awesome. You know, <laughs> I know. I, I that's the, that's the thing. But the truth is, is like you, you, you it's like you're gonna fail those. Those aren't gonna work unless yeah. you have the fundamentals yeah. down. The fundamentals are super important for sure. And, and and so that's like the thing where it's like, you know, I know this isn't glamorous, but it's like please trust me that like this is important, right? Like any sport, any good coach, any sports team, any, any mastery of anything, you know, 
you start off, if you're going to start off and become Michelangelo, you're going to start drawing six figures. You're not going to jump in the 15th chapel and think you're going to do it. You know, yeah. you have to get the basics down. Yeah. And, and, you know, painting over what's already there in the Sistine Chapel would just be really a tragedy. So I, you know, I, I say leave that, like leave that alone, years. you know, leave that alone. <laughs> they don't even leave let you take alone. pictures in there, you know. <laughs> yeah, imagine with stick figures on top of that. <laughs> like, I don't know about this, but he's working on it. I think he'll get better. <laughs> you can tell he's practicing. Just let him practice. Yeah. Let him practice <laughs> on the Sistine Chapel. <laughs> That's hilarious. Um well, that's awesome, man. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm super, uh, I'm super psyched for you. And I'm, there is, you know, there is a really a, a part of me. I was actually thinking about this on my scooter ride over here to this co-working space, but I was thinking, I was thinking of that book Shantaram, um, and it's this huge, huge book. And there is definitely a part of me that would just love to have a humongous book, um, that had written like I just, just a masterpiece. And this epic thing, so I really, uh, I really, I'm really happy for you, and I'm excited for to see how that comes out. Thank you very much. I'm I'm excited to get these done so I can write start writing shorter books. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, well, I'll talk to you in ten years, Drew. Um, so yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I have another question. So just any other quirky sort of things that you do in your creative process and. You know, in in your four yeah. months in the cave, any any sort of interesting things that you've come up with that that have worked for you? Yeah, I think one of the most interesting things um, that I've discovered about my writing process is that I write very kinesthetically, and so what that means for people that are listening that don't really understand what that means is that you have basically four different ways to process things. You can process things visually, auditorily kinesthetically or kind of internally. And so I realized that as I write, I, I, I think because of reading so much as a child that I, I kind of just absorbed what sounds good. And so when I, when I'm writing, I'll write it and I'm like, ah, this doesn't feel right. Like that doesn't feel like those words don't feel good in that part of the sentence. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's really interesting that it's it, it's a visceral feeling in my body. Where it's like, eh. it's like I kind of make that sound too. It's like that emotion. Eh, yeah, that really doesn't go there. How about this? And then I keep doing it until I read it. And I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, that feels good. That, that's right. That's perfect. Yeah. So I'm kind of like you in the sense that I discovered that I also edit as I write. And that, that has been interesting playing with because in my blogs, I find I do that. Um, and when I wrote, when I did, when I did the, the first volume in that four months, I didn't, I tried not to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, because I was reading somewhere of like, Oh yeah, this is how you do it. You know, just vomit it all out in the first draft and then afterwards go through and edit it. Yeah. So I tried that. So that's probably why it was so many words, and that was even trimmed down. Um, yeah. But it's yeah, it's, it's interesting. I because as I go as I go down and I read it, I'm constantly rechecking, going back up, and say, okay, does that word work? What about this? A semicolon? Should I do an m dash or? Mm-hmm. And and some and, and I have no rules. It's like you know sometimes 
I'll use a semicolon if it feels good. Sometimes I'll use like 10 M dashes in a sentence yeah. if that feels good. And so I, I know, I know the English rules that are, are supposed to, supposed to be used, quote unquote. Um, but I also am trained in, um, like NLP and other kind of languaging that breaks certain grammatical rules in order to do certain things. So it's like, okay, if, if I want to invoke a certain state, I'm going to write in a way that necessarily isn't what you would have approved on, um, you know, whatever the styles are, the style writing style guide. Mm-hmm. And, um, so yeah, so I've, I've noticed that, that it's very feeling based where I'll write something and I think because I've spent my whole childhood reading, um, and you know, even growing up as an adult where I'm at a place to say, yeah, that feels good because I would get in trouble like in English yeah. class. Like, why did, why did you write it like that? I don't know. It just looked good like that. They're like, no, you can't do that. It's not yeah. allowed. You're not old enough to be able to know how to do that. <laughs> You're not old enough to make up rules. <laughs> I'm like, what? <laughs> Yeah. Like what? But I'm, I'm like, well, was it right? They're like, yeah, it's right, but that's not the point. True yeah. work. Yeah, I'm out of here. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> seeing detention. Yeah. Um. So yeah, that's, yeah, I that's totally get that. Yeah. Quirky, I guess. Yeah. Nice man. Well, um, uh, we're almost out of time here. I want to wrap up with the now famous uh, last question of this show, um, which is. If you could write yourself a note and slip it back through the fabric of time to Drew Gerald at some point, um, and that note would be, you know, maybe some words of wisdom or something you'd want your past self to hear, what would you write? And at what, uh, how old would you be or what point would you, would you give this note to yourself in the past? Uh, related to anything or writing specifically? Um, I guess related to writing. Okay, because those are dramatically different. <laughs> um, I guess I'll kind of make them the same. Um, you know, when, when I was when I was growing up, I was bullied and, and teased a lot, pretty much from six years old to eighteen years old. I didn't have friends. You know, I sat alone lunch. I was bullied and teased, and mm-hmm. you know, it was a very very traumatic. Um, experience, which led me to the healing and the writing and all of the stuff that I'm doing now. So mm-hmm. essentially what, what I would write uh, would be to, to my younger self, you know, either at six years old or whenever I hated my first English class, would essentially be, <laughs> this won't make any sense to you now. Um, <laughs> This 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 won't change how you feel at all. It's going to suck, and it's going to be absolute hell for the next eighteen years. But you have to. But um, after that, you will see the point. You you will understand the reason for all of it, and yeah. the necessity for you to have these trials and tribulations, uh, because what you are destined for and for lack of better terms um is something so great beyond your imagination uh in order to be prepared for that you have to go through hell and back first um sorry um it's gonna suck 
Uh, I can't help you out uh, from here, but just know that you're going to make it and everything uh, will be fine. Nice, man. Yeah. Yeah, I can relate to that as well. Yeah. Yeah. Especially, well, thank espe- you. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, especially with, with, with school and the message that if just one person told me that this was all bullshit, <laughs> I would have yeah. believed them, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. So so thank you for asking that, because as I, I kind of just imagined doing that just now, and that, it, it actually it actually felt really good. That was, that was kind of therapeutic for me to just do that right now. So mm. Thank you. Yeah, man, my pleasure. Yeah, I'll send you the bill. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Please do. Um, well, thanks so much for for coming on the show, man. This this time like really really flew by for me, and and uh, so I just we could have done this for four hours. We, we could have, we could have done yeah. seven hundred pages of this. Um, <laughs> so so thanks, and really, I mean, truly, best of luck with with the book, man. And I'm looking forward to to uh, to checking it out when it's done. Thanks, Dave. All right, brother. I'll talk to you soon. All right, that was the interview with Drew Gerald. Thanks so much for listening. If you made it this far, I'm guessing you might want a little more of this type of interview and this type of conversation. So I'm going to suggest a few other podcasts that you might like, a few other episodes. One is episode five with Allison Moon. Allison is also in the sexual empowerment field. She's a sex educator and she writes fiction and nonfiction. Um, to get to that, go to darkenthepage.com slash 005. That's one of my favorite episodes. I really love that one with Allison. And also, if you want to hear about just magnificent feats of writing, uh, episode 11 with Steve Windsor is phenomenal. He, he, he will just write for like 12 hours in a day. And he has... He's sort of in the record-breaking books as far as what I'm concerned. is like Drew... You know, I don't know. I can't even fathom what Drew has done, and Steve is in the same ball is in the same ballpark for me. So check out Steve Windsor. That'll be at darkonthepage.com/slash zero one one. And again, thank you so much for listening. If you want to support the show, the best way you can do it is to go on iTunes and leave us a rating and review. That'll help get the show out to more people. And Share it with your friends. Um, go to like us, like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash darkenthepage, or you can follow me on Twitter at Dave Buddha. Again, thank you so much for listening. So go and make your art.